This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show can always be found on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Head there now and like us there now. In the studio with me now is Keith Klein. Keith is Executive Director of Grant Us Hope. It's our pleasure to welcome Keith to the show. Good morning, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. All right. Now, first of all, tell us about Grant Us Hope. Sure. Uh, Grant Us Hope was founded uh, about three years ago here in Cincinnati uh, by Diane Egbers. Diane uh, runs a leadership uh, development program here in town. Uh, But the reason she uh, formulated Grant Us Hope was that she had lost her son, Grant, uh, at the age of 15 uh, to suicide. And Grant was a sophomore at uh, St. X High School here in town and uh, was struggling with a lot of emotional and physical pain and, and decided that uh, the way he saw the ending that pain uh, was taking his life. And so Diane's been committed to uh, making sure that other families across Ohio don't go through that or don't have to go through that in, the, in their lives. And so that's why we're so focused on suicide prevention and helping to educate people across Ohio. Okay. And so for those out there that are like Grant, um, struggling with some of the things that Grant did, what do the stats tell us? What do we know? How relevant is suicide? And what does the research and stats, what do they tell us? Absolutely. Well, we know that about 20% of all people uh, struggle with mental health, mental illness uh, at some point in their lifetime. And, and many of us, if we're not struggling with that ourselves, have individuals in our families or colleagues that we that are. And so those numbers continue to rise, which is really very frightening. Um, in addition to that, then, um, we're losing a lot of young people uh, to suicide because they, they really feel that that's their way out of whatever pain they're having in their life, whether it's uh, mental or, or physical. And so uh, we, we have put hope squads in place across Ohio. We've grown to 90 schools now and by the start of next school year expect to be in the 130, 140 uh, school range where we're, we're helping to train young people uh, to identify uh, the signs of somebody who's in crisis and to reach out to them to have a conversation and hopefully get that young person to the help that they need. We know the kids are talking about mental health. They're talking about uh, social emotional issues that they're facing whether it's at home or at school. And uh, we also know, unfortunately, though, that only seven out or seven out of 10 of those conversations never make it to an adult who can actually intervene. So we want to break that uh, cycle of silence and and get the kids that, to the help that will help get them on a, a positive track for the future. And I definitely want to talk more about Hope Squad and what sure. you guys are doing there. But let's talk more about, before we get to that, let's talk about who's at an increased risk of suicide. Who's at risk? Absolutely. Well, and I think it's easy to say at this point that there are, are more and more people that are at risk of taking their own life. Uh, we know that in the work that we did in schools uh, during the 2018-2019 school year, that a majority of those kids uh, that are being referred for concerns around mental health and suicidality are ninth and 10th graders. And so from our perspective, we want to make sure that we're getting to those kids and giving them the tools that they need to negotiate adolescence, to negotiate some of the, the feelings that they have, um, and get them with somebody who can, can have an impact and, and can help them get to where they need to be so they can lead healthy and productive lives. Um, we, we also know that young people who have experienced trauma early in their lives, whether it was abuse of some sort, uh, whether it was uh, being a victim of crime, 
uh, having a, a, a bad scenario at home, those kids have an increased risk of uh, having mental issues as well as uh, potentially taking their lives as well. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. For more information on suicide or anything that you hear this morning, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We'll have additional information there. You can like us there. In the studio with me now is Keith Klein. He is executive director of Grant Us Hope right here in Cincinnati. Now, let's talk about the impact suicide has on families, the families that are left behind. Absolutely. And and we, we call those folks survivors, uh, folks that have had someone close to them uh, take their own life. And, mm-hmm. and the impact that that can have is not, you know, suicide is not just a financial uh, situation, but it's also uh, a tremendous burden on, on the family members who are left after someone uh, ends their life. And so those individuals uh, need all kinds of support in terms of understanding why, understanding what they need to do and how they can take care of themselves as they move forward. Our goal is to really spend 75 to 80 percent of our time on the prevention end so that we don't have families that are going through that struggle after a family member has, has taken their life. And so um, there, there's a, there are a lot of broken pieces that are left after someone has made that decision. Um, our, our primary goal is to get in on the front end of that, but we also want to make sure that there are systems in place to help support those folks uh, if they've lost someone. What do we know about warning signs? Um, what are the warning signs? Are there always warning signs when someone is thinking about contemplating suicide? You know, many times there are, and that can come in uh, verbal form. That can come in behavioral form, situational form. Uh, what what we usually aren't able to do um, is, a, is a young person who's contemplating ending their life um, will leave clues along the way. Um, and it may be that they, they make a comment to a best friend um, or they – uh, have a conversation with someone else that's in their circle. Uh, the problem is that we don't always put all of those pieces together in time to be able to prevent the death. And so you know, when we're talking about verbal clues, we're talking about direct or indirect statements that someone might make. It may be a, a comment, uh, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to kill myself. That would be very direct. Um, and, uh, you know, many times, unfortunately, with kids, uh, we don't take those words as seriously as maybe we, we should. Um, there are indirect verbal clues as well. How, how are kids talking with each other? Is it something along the lines of, well, I'm not going to need this after tomorrow? Those kinds of clues. Uh, behavioral clues, are they giving uh, prized possessions away? Are they, are they um, uh, making almost final arrangements to close some things out before they end up taking their life? That would be in the behavioral realm. Um, and then situationally, um, there's never one event that drives someone to take their life. Um, it's a combination of a variety of things. There may be a trigger point, some event that takes place that kind of finalizes the decision for them. Uh, But again, we want to try to get on the preventative end and be aware and educate people so that they know what the signs are. Um, And that raises a red flag with them that maybe we can connect the dots uh, before somebody makes that fatal decision. Okay. And that's a good lead into my next question, because what do you do Mm -hmm. if you're just the average person? Mm -hmm. And I would suspect for a teenager to hear another teenager say Mm -hmm. those words, you know, and often being that young, you don't know what to do. And even as an adult, you may not know what to do. 
So what should we do if we notice these warning signs that, you know, a loved one, a friend, a teenager, an adult may be suicidal? Absolutely. And and, and it's so very important that we don't let uh, things that, that worry us, that bother us, that we've heard or seen uh, behaviorally, et cetera, we, we, we don't just let that go. Uh, we need to ask questions about that. And there, there's research um, out there uh, primarily through the, the uh, Question Persuade Refer QPR Institute, which is out in Washington State, that goes through a protocol about asking a question and asking the question, which is really challenging for folks to do. It's best to just ask straight up, are you thinking about ending your life or are you thinking about uh, suicide? Um, and that may seem counterintuitive to some because, you know, being an, an educator for most of my career, working with teachers, um, there's, a, there's a general um, concern about if I say something or if I say the word suicide, that's going to spark that notion in someone's head and cause them to take their life. And that's just not true. Um, we, many times when we ask that suicide question very directly, it gives permission to the young person to, to let down their guard a little bit and share what they're feeling and, and make sure that um, they, they, they begin talking about what's going on in their life that's causing this, this um, unusual amount of stress. Um, the second piece of QPR then is how do we persuade that young person, the P piece, how do we persuade that person to come with us to get help, whether that's help at school, help in the community, help with a mental health agent, um, whoever that may be. But how do we persuade that young person who's in crisis to come get come with us to get the help that he or she needs? And then if if that young person isn't willing to come along on their own, how do we refer them to someone so that we don't lose that kid through the safety net, so that we we – are getting the information that we know to the about that young person to somebody who can intervene and, and actually make a make a difference and make some progress with that young person. So asking the question, um, regardless of what you've seen or heard, is is it okay thing to do? And it's something that we really should be doing uh, when we're talking with folks that we have concerns about in terms of suicide. Um, not doing it, uh, not asking those questions. Uh, really leads to the the notion within the mind of the young person, nobody really cares what I'm going through, nobody understands. And so empathy, uh, reaching out and, and being direct about asking uh, uh, the suicide question, and then having a plan to persuade that young person to come to get help or make sure that we get that information to somebody who can intervene through a referral process. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Keith Klein. He is executive director of Grant Us Hope. Let me ask you this now. What role does social media play when we talk about mm -hmm. teenagers and suicide? I know that has an impact these days. Um, what are you seeing and what do we know? Well, it, it's certainly changed over time. Uh, you know, when we talk about social media, uh, we know that uh, there are a lot of very positive things, but then there are also some very destructive things that that, that uh, promotes. Uh, we know that young people are talking to each other. Uh, they're sharing information about their social-emotional well-being uh, with each other through social media. Um, there's also the window there for cyberbullying and some of the other things that – uh, that earlier generations really hadn't had to deal with. You know, when I was in school, and which was 50-plus um, uh, years ago, um, if we were bullied at school, we could go home at the end of the day and, and get ourselves away from that. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have text messaging or all the other social media platforms 
that are available to us today. The only way that bullying would continue is if we picked up the phone when somebody called us or we were out and about. So we, we could get away from that stressor at school. It's a lot harder for young people today to do that, to be able to separate from um, uh, the, what's going on in, in that environment. Uh, what I always recommend, and this is the, the former high school principal and superintendent in me, as well as parent, I always recommend to parents when I'm talking with them that, you know, if that cell phone isn't going into a neutral space overnight, young person goes to bed and that cell phone is not in the room with them, parents need to start doing that today. Um, we The kids need to have a separation from that constant stream of whatever's happening on social media, and that's one way to break that cycle. Another big thing that can be very proactive in terms of helping our kids uh, be in a better place, uh, we know that uh, connectivity, being connected to other people in very meaningful ways is absolutely critical to healthy young people growing into being healthy adults. And so it's so important, and as a society, we've gotten away from this because we're all so very busy, but it's so very important that we sit down at, at the table uh, once a day, um, mealtime is great, uh, bring everybody together and, and have a conversation device-free. Um, that connection piece, that connection piece with family is so very important, particularly for adolescents. Um, and they will fight it. They won't like it. Um, they probably will find a variety of ways to avoid it. Uh, but sitting down device-free, uh, sharing food and, and having conversation, connecting with each other is, is vitally important to the mental health development of, of young people. I know in my household, I had two teenagers. Um, and sometimes the, the old, we, it was nine or 10 o'clock at night before everybody was back in the house and, and could connect. But that connection time, however you do it, makes a significant difference in the mental well-being of, of uh, your, your, your children and something that we need to get back to. All right. So let's talk about Hope Squad. You touched on this earlier. I know it's one of the key initiatives at Granite's Hope. Tell us more about Hope Squad and what you hope to accomplish through the squad. And it's coming. It's a national. It is. Yeah. Actually, Hope Squad was founded in the uh, early 2000s out in Utah. Uh, Utah had, uh, at the time, extremely high youth suicide rates. It was actually founded by uh, Dr. Greg Hudnall, who was uh, the principal at Provo High School and then moved on to be associate superintendent. And when he retired, he he uh, had a personal mission. He had lost way too many young people to suicide over the course of his professional career. So he uh, worked with educators and worked with mental health professionals out in Utah to develop Hope Squad. Uh, we brought Hope Squad to Ohio for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a peer-to-peer -peer program, so kids are working and helping other kids. Um, it is uh, there's some uh, driven data results that have proven that it's effective uh, out in Utah. In fact, once they started putting Hope Squads into schools in the Provo City School District, they went nine years without losing a kid to suicide. Um, and that school district's about sixteen thousand young people. Uh, when we do start Hope Squads here. Uh, we're really focused on finding young people who are the natural go-tos for classmates. And so we'll go through a process. The student body in the school selects them. Uh, we show them a brief video, and then we ask them, give us the names of three young people you would go to if you needed somebody to talk with, you were in a crisis, you needed a friend. And so interestingly, the same names bubble to the surface, and we invite those kids to be part of the Hope Squad program. 
Uh, Hope squads, once they're established, are responsible for several things. Uh, First, they go through a year-long curriculum, learning about how do you identify somebody who's in crisis? How do you have that tough conversation with them and persuade them to get help? Um, How do you take care of yourself as a caregiver? How do you make sure that you're taking care of yourself? And um, what we found is that over time, um, at least this past year, about a third of the referrals that were made to guidance counselors or administrators, um, teachers around uh, mental health issues that potentially could be a suicide situation, about a third of those referrals were made by Hope Squad trained members. Um, and that's pretty significant because those kids may have slipped through the cracks had it not been for a Hope Squad being in that school and, and kids keeping an eye on their classmates. Uh, the Hope Squad kids go through the curriculum, as I said. They also then um, um, are doing some – not counseling. They're, they're touching base and talking with their, their friends. Uh, but they're also responsible for building awareness and advocacy in their school and the community their school sits in. And so we'll see schools do uh, Hope Weeks where they focus on um, how to get help. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be there for each other. After about two to three years of a Hope Squad being in place, the culture of the school changes. And it becomes one where as students, we have each other's back. It's okay to be struggling and ask for help when you are struggling. Um, and we're here for you. And, and some of the stories that we've gotten this past year from school administrators from teachers, from uh, Hope Squad members have been pretty amazing um, where, you know, somebody has sat down and, and, and talked with a classmate who was on the path to potentially taking their life. And because of the intervention with a Hope Squad member uh, and getting that young person help, we've, we've gotten them back on the right track and, and suicide's not in their playbook anymore. That's what's really important. And we have a Hope Squad right here in this area in Mason. Is that right? Uh, we do. Actually, we, we started with three Hope Squad pilots about a year and a half ago. And by uh, January of 2020, we'll be sitting around 90 across the state of Ohio. Well, that's good to know. If our listeners would like to find out more about Granite's Hope, if they would like to find out more about the Hope Squad, how can they find out more? Best way probably initially is to go to our website, www.grantushope.org. Uh, There's a lot of great information on there, not just about Hope Squad and the work that we're doing at Grant Us Hope, but also some uh, information about if you think you have someone in your life that's struggling, um, some, some steps that you can take to help that person out and get them the help that they need. So we're really about trying to educate the community. Uh, so that we can do a better job of taking care of those folks who are struggling in our families, at our workplace, uh, et cetera. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much, Keith. If our listeners have any questions, if they would like to find out more about Granite's Hope, if they would like to find out more about the Hope Squad, how can they find out more? Best place to go right now would be our website, uh, grantushope.org. Uh, we have a lot of information on there, and that would be a great place for them to learn more about those things as well as get some tips on how to take care of people in their life that they they are worried about struggling. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the time. We've been speaking to Keith Klein, Executive Director of Grant Us Hope. Remember, more information about the show and more information about our guests can always be found on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this. More to come. Stay with us. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today. Peloton, let's go. 
this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.